0: Hello again, everybody. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast, and with me as always is Sean Flannery. Sean, how you doing?
1: We're good. We're good. Uh, still dealing with a little bit of the cough. Um, voice was absolutely gone. Shot last week, uh, but here we go. So let's uh, keep it going.
0: Yeah, that's right. There was no show last week. I completely forgot all about that. But you know what? It's the Super Bowl. You know, Riri. we usually do something on the Super Bowl, but uh, nah, I figured, you know what? Screw it. It's the Super Bowl. Uh, So, let's just skip this week. Now we're all rested. And we had some time to think about what we're going to talk about this week. And something that we don't normally do too much is just uh, come with curveballs on this show, so to speak. We're going to surprise the hell out of each other with our questionings. We have set up three questions for each other to ask. And this is going to be
1: Rich Hill versus Charlie Morton type (laughs) curveballs. So... Mm. And it can be about anything it can be about anything really
0: yeah it's an ask me we
1: want to keep it about baseball
0: but it it could
1: it could be about anything
0: so yeah uh ask me anything edition of this show so without further ado uh so i i I was thinking all week how i'm going to ask you these questions so i had listened question one question two question three and i figure you know what now right today i think the way it's it works out for me we're gonna start with question three, Sean. You ready? Oh goodness. So you know, I've been doing this show for you for about four or five seasons, maybe. I know yeah. officially it's four uh seasons into the in the books, but you know, you count the 2019 year where we were doing it on SoundCloud, that should count as something. <laughs> um
1: don't know what, but, but something. <laughs> I
0: never know what you're up to around this time of year. I know what I'm doing this time of year, and I'm I'm like you know, uh canceling parties and 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 you know killing time that I should be spending with my wife and kid and because I need to get on this baseball stuff. And Mm -hmm. I thank Austin for helping me out as always. uh, He helped me out uh, last year and he's helping me out this year. We're getting our projections, getting ready to go. We got the vital information. So now we got the projections to match the players. So it's, 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 it's things are happening. Wheels are in motion. It's happening. But again, I don't know. What, what do you do? Like that's mid February. What What is Sean Flannery doing to get himself ready for the fantasy baseball and even real baseball season? Well, that's coming
1: up? this year specifically, um, I'm drafting. Uh, we've already started having some of our first-year player drafts in the Dynasty and Keeper Leagues that I am in. Uh, I believe I'm at five that are in progress as of right now. Um, have a couple more coming up at the end of the month or beginning of March. Uh, but also around this time, I'm starting to kind of go back – Um, especially with a focus on first-year players. Uh, Because, you know, when the draft comes around, like I I feel like you get so much information overload on, like, these 300, 400, 500 players that are drafted. And you try and keep up, but it's by the time you need to recall that information six months later, it's kind of hard to do. So I I go back, I'm reading my Baseball America stuff, reading the stuff from Jim Callis and um, not O.J. Mayo, but the other Mayo guy from MLB that does their draft stuff. Um, I can't remember his name, uh, but <laughs> I, I'm trying to go get back and get level on my first year player draft, reading some of the updates on, you know, spring training as, you know, pitchers and catchers start to report. Of course, this year is going to be a little wonky with the WBC and how many people will be there and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, also at the same time, Starting to look, like you said, at some of the projections, kind of getting those tiers and guys in order. Um, I'm never always the best at putting it down and like keeping it somewhere, but I I kind of have that list in my head at all times. And depending on when I read something or I see something, you know, it could alter the list a little bit in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I'm starting to get more into that, you know, gear. Of okay, we're about to start up again, so uh, yeah, all I got five first year player drafts going right now, so no, no major like um redrafts have started, but those aren't that far away either, so I got to get ready for that.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I haven't done a mock draft since January because I've been so busy compiling this uh, big, enormous uh, spreadsheet with Austin, but we've been going at it since January. Hell, it, Austin got this rolling in December. And I thought it was a little too soon, but Austin's like, no, we want to make sure we get this done on time because I want to get this ready. I don't want to be rushing at the end. And of course, as um, in truthfully, Felipe fashion, we're rushing once again at the end, but (laughs) you know, we're still uh, on pace to get this done uh, in a timely manner. So
1: that's a good thing. And I want to say compared to last season. So 2021 going into 2022, I feel like I was in a lot of mock drafts. Um, whether I just, just, I've been busy at work and I I've missed on Twitter where, you know, people are like, Hey, we're doing a mock. If you want to join, right? uh, send a message. I just haven't, I think I did one, but last year I did like five from dynasty startup to redraft. Uh, and this year I'm a little bit more, uh, not up to date on my mock. So that'll be interesting. I might hop on one here early this week, like just a, a random public one to see what happens. And that's something uh, I've been trying to get done
0: here. Uh, Cause I did a mock draft live on baseball life at, of the Facebook group that we, uh, we both admin. Yeah. Um, And it went pretty well. And I've been trying to emulate that uh, with you for a while now and it just for whatever reason, it doesn't work out in our schedule and how this could have been the week to do it, but we, didn't do a show last week, so now we're behind. But that is one thing I want us to do is uh, do a live mock draft. It's uh, pretty chaotic, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but once it, once the ball gets rolling, it's pretty easy to do. So, but yeah, I um, you know I'm so hung up on these spreadsheets that I haven't really done any mock drafting. And then the, the you know another thing that comes up is uh, we have a we have a, a teammate, a, a, not a teammate, sorry, a league mate. Uh, yeah, I think you met him before. His name is Primo. I've been playing against this guy for over 20 years now. And he goes, you know, it's to the point where in this league, because Melvin, you know, Melvin from baseball cosmos, he's joining that points league. I keep telling the Mardi Gras league. Mm -hmm. And he, 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 he goes, you know what? Drafts are overrated. I don't even have any early round picks because I'm trying to win championships every year. So I don't care. (laughs) So, and somehow, you know, I come in, he basically admitted that he comes in willy nilly without much research, which I think is bull. I I, I think he's lying to us, but he says that he, he, he does very little draft preparation. So especially compared to what I'm doing on my yeah. end, it's it's very little and uh, that he just shows up, looks at the players that are available. uh, And then he just adjusts all season long. And somehow he's always at the end, you know, uh, one of the championship
1: contenders. And uh, I mean, I almost feel like I'm a little in that space. Like mm-hmm. I, I told you last year when I showed up to do uh the Wharf League, which uh, we finally figured out a date and, Oh, uh, I'm moving on the 17th and I, we're drafting in Atlanta on the 18th. So that should be an exciting uh 48, 72 hours for me. But um that was chaotic to try and get a date down just for that. Yeah. But I remember when I, I showed up at the restaurant, we had a little upstairs area all to ourselves. And out of the 15, I think there were 13 of us, 12, 13 of us there, a couple people doing it online. And nearly everyone has a laptop. And I'm just yeah. like, okay. I am on the opposite side of that spectrum right now, but once again, I also feel like I'm pretty good about keeping stuff internalized just in terms of, you know, my listing my opinions on players like I, I don't, I feel like I don't need to look at a, not a spreadsheet, but like a ranking list that I've made to be like, oh, okay, that's where I had that guy that this is how I feel about him. Because once I see his name, I automatically come up with kind of my thoughts on him and where I think he is relative to other people. I could never. And, and generally never. yeah. And generally, that works out. And that's just kind of the way my brain works in terms of like knowing players. And like when I see their name, okay. I I generally know average on base slug kind of where they are in home runs, RBIs, who's around them in their own lineups. And that's just kind of my mental, I guess, capacity. I don't know. Um, and it, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't um, depending on my competition. Cause I was some of those guys that were in, in, in wharf, um, do some real detailed level projection type stuff, and I was um, not very good in that league. Granted, that was also my top two draft picks for I think Jacob Degrom and Bryce Harper. So that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's what I mean,
0: though. I mean, I mean, you you can't, and, and that's the thing that uh, Primo uh, points at. Like, say so you could do all these preparations, but at the end, it just boils down to adjustments and luck. Yeah. Which, if it just boils down to adjustments and luck, then what are we doing? What this is just a waste <laughs> of time that we're doing here. But I don't know, man. I feel I gotta be prepared for every scenario. I, I gotta make sure that my list is ready to go. That uh I that I'm like Andy Reid out there with my with my little placard and my
1: <laughs> whopper whopper bubble whopper.
0: Or you know, with my with
1: <laughs> we are with not the, sponsored, by the way.
0: <laughs> with I gotta give you ready with the notes and uh, I, I wanna call a uh, play play call number one twenty two. Uh, I want player number one twenty two. By the way, I while we were talking, I was doing a quick quick math on how many players are on a spreadsheet as of right now, including prospects uh, who are, that are in a separate spreadsheet. We're talking 830 players. Wow. And we're, we're still going to, uh, uh, what do you call it? Cut it down. Cause you know, we don't need a we don't need 830 players, but the exercise is that, you know, we, we are basically putting every single player that's on roster resource on, on a major league baseball roster. Yeah. And according to ATC projections, cause that's the projections that we use around here. Uh, if we're uh, I'm gonna have the the heavy handed job of seeing if some of these players are worth keeping on this list or not because, like I said, you don't need 830. I think no. last year we were at 700, though. So unless
1: you're insane and you're in a 30 team league, and I'm not, league. you are. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> oh and, yeah, and... I, I started. um Speaking of the first year player draft, I join. I'm taking over another 30 uh <laughs> 30 team okay. league. And I already had to make some moves. I acquired Pete Alonzo. I acquired Pete uh, uh, Pete Bellinger. I almost just said Pete Bellinger. I acquired Pete Alonzo and Cody Bellinger uh, <laughs> with a roster that also had Aaron judge. So I could have traded judge and just did like a complete teardown. Mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like my process like initial prospects were that good. like I had uh, Mayo from Baltimore. um I had Curtis Mead. And that was really the length. Those were my two top 100 guys. And I was like, okay, if I trade Judge, I might get end up with like a total of five top 100 guys total for the entire roster. And I was like, at that point, let me just try and, I don't want to say win now, but at least compete. And so now I have a lineup that features in a 30-team league, Aaron Judge, Cody Bellinger, Pete Alonzo. Like there's a universe where, you know, Cody Bellinger kind of comes back a little bit. And if you pair him with those two guys, like you're off to a great head start. Uh, The only issue is I have no shortstop. But uh, did the first-year player draft for that. Had no first-round pick. I had moved that, and I believe the Pete Alonzo deal. But I had picks 41, 42, and 45. Um, So out of my four draft picks, three of them came within four picks. And uh, who did I get? I ended up drafting two Houston players. Um, cause you can, I, if there's one thing I've learned, especially I finished reading Evandrelics winning fixes, everything I'm just never going to doubt Houston's player development, uh, right. when in doubt, like if it's between two guys, just draft the Houston player. Um, but I believe I got Ben Joyce, the hard throwing, uh, reliever for the angels. And then there's a guy that the Astros drafted in the third round who is supposed to be like Christian Javier 2.0. Like the fastball isn't that high in velocity. It's like high 80s, low 90s, but it's got like ins- he's got the low release and the insane vertical break, and it just kind of plays and they can't hit it. But um, yeah, Guafoyle. No, oh God, I'm butchering the name. Tyler Guilfoyle. Like, I, I guess it's how you say it, as well as their outfielder, Jacob Melton. So, yeah, nice little start to that 30-team league. Um, I just hope I have a shortstop because right now I don't <laughs> have one. <laughs> um,
0: really quick before we move on to the next topic, the, the I, I forgot that the other reason why I have so many players ranked on my on my cheat sheet is because we're all, these spreadsheets that I do, Sean. Um, they're dualistic. There, there's two reasons for it: fantasy, and of course. Real baseball, right? Because we are, and that's gonna be a theme that we're gonna talk about today when I get to my other questions. The that meshing of both real and fake baseball.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it, Where that we do, do they on meet? this on this show every Sunday morning. So that's what we do. We we try to mesh both worlds together and see what happens. But anyway, and, and I see Tyler Gif Gif yeah Gilfoil. Yeah. Uh, he is currently listed in high A, 23-year-old uh relief pitcher. Is what is what he's listed as for the on roster resource.
1: Just well, you know, they, they, they do creepy things.
0: Who, roster resource.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I mean, he I mean, he, he, had, he had uh, you know, 12 innings, four games, one of them was a start, so he was averaging three innings basically per appearance. Um, and they were like, uh, that, that was another thing in Drellick's book, which by the way, go. I, I listened to it within a day, it was like a 13 hour audiobook but they were uh, apparently the leaders in the whole tandem piggybacking u- using starters like that in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know that. I-, I thought that was like a race thing, but apparently it was really the Astros that started the um, using two starters in the same game. And uh, apparently that really uh, fucked up Mark Appel uh, and he hated it. And I don't know. Very interesting little tidbit though.
0: Yeah. Well, uh remember reading the uh, uh, article from the Atlantic of all things, the Atlantic uh, suggesting, Hey, if you're going to be paying these starting pitchers, a lot of money, maybe it, it might be a good idea to only have them pitch three or four innings and everybody like, man, what the Atlantic, that's, this is why they don't, it's just stick to politics. They don't know anything about baseball. And <laughs> then what six, seven, eight years later, after that article is written, a lot of these teams are, I mean, we just, uh, our guy, Matt, uh, from Duluth, Minnesota, I just saw him complain about how, the twins do not do not allow any other starting pitchers to go past five innings and, and see that uh, the other teams line up like three or four times a game. And it's like, yeah, every team is now doing something to not expose their starting pitchers nowadays. And, but any, that's again, different conversation for another time. So that was my random question. One to you, what's your random question to me?
1: Okay. So you started off on your third question. I'm going to start off on my second question. I know this kind of bounces around in your head, but if you had to pick a team to root for that wasn't the Cubs and wasn't the White Sox to be like your everyday team, who would it be? Oh man,
0: because uh, you could tell who I get excited for. I like I like teams that look like they know what they're doing. Uh, you you know you can, how... ol- you can only
1: pick one. You can only I know one. I know
0: I'm getting to it. Uh, I know that we always talk about how we. How I worship the ground that Andrew Friedman walks on. Most people, <laughs> most people, I uh, go, oh yeah, Clayton Kersh is my favorite player. Mike Trust, my favorite player. No, my favorite player is Andrew Friedman. I want to be like him. Sometimes I dream that he is me. And uh, no, I've always liked Andrew Friedman, but do I really want to root for for the Dodgers? No, that's too easy, right? That's just yeah, too well, easy. It's too
1: easy. That's a, that, that's a gimme. That's a gimme. Don't be a gimme.
0: And then the Tampa, there's always the Tampa Bay Rays, but that's like a hipster's choice, right? That's like
1: that's like the masochist choice. So it's like the really good, like they know exactly what they're doing, but you know, in the end, it's just gonna not. That's like, yeah,
0: I mean, that's, uh, that's there's a reason why our good friend Angel uh, roots for them, right? Yeah. bad luck <laughs> Angel, bad luck Rays. Uh, and now, uh, is the question, just uh, is it is it a permanent fixture? Or is it just for this upcoming season?
1: Oh no, like permanently. Oh, like, in your, in your past and in your future?
0: I, I guess it has to be the Houston Astros. <laughs> 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 like, I, I, you know, I, growing up as a Cuff fan, when they were in the National League, they used to whoop our asses all the time. <laughs> and it got to a point where, like, you know, it's a respect thing. You know, it's Craig Begio, Jeff Bagwell, Derek Bell, the Killer Bees, uh, Sean Berry, Brad Osmus, or as we like to call him, Asmus over here, <laughs> which... Front office guy, right, Brad Ausmus? Who would have thought?
1: Yeah, who ended up? uh Who it was? They ended up having Derek Lee, and wasn't there in, like an outfielder named Carlos Lee?
0: No, that's where the, the, he was with the White Sox. Although he might have ended up going to the Astros. I don't. I remember. thought
1: Carlos Lee ended up playing for the Astros. Af- I, I just can't remember because he was like a bigger guy.
0: Yeah, the uh, Hawk Carrollson used to call him El Caballo. Yeah,
1: he played the horse. So it, first one two three four five six years were in the White Sox mm-hmm. and then his last one two three four five and they played for two teams in 2012 so five of his last six years were with Houston
0: yeah I see
1: I, I remember yeah. like the kind of like mid late 2000s Astros that had Carlos Lee and I think it was Derek Lee like the first baseman I thought no, he was there for a li- he was Cubs was- he was Cubs wasn't he
0: Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Derek Bell, Derek Lee. Derek Lee's with the Cubs. And, and Before that, he was with the Marlins. Remember that 2003 Marlins that went to the World Series? Yeah. Derek Lee was on that team, and then he uh, signed a, a contract the following year with the Cubs, I believe, in 2004. So it
1: is funny that you said you would pick the Astros, because I've already mentioned Drellick's book twice now. But you, you also answered Andrew Friedman. Um, when Jim Crane bought the Astros in 2011, the first person that he wanted to hire that he went to was Andrew Friedman. So it makes sense i mean smart and, people want to
0: follow yeah. other smart people man it's just the way it uh, is a smart baseball smart organization uh say what you you know i think people get it mixed up with me i i do not condone i do not uh you know what's that word i'm looking for i do not support them using what they did to win the 2017 world series it's more of a for me it's more of an issue that i have with major league baseball that they have these rules in place but no way to enforce them yeah which typical major league baseball you know anytime there's a cheating scandal we want we all go up in arms about the teams and the players that get accused of uh, these things but meanwhile major league baseball just washes their hands like with their pants and this is constant with them No. over the years of the 100 plus years of major league baseball they are constantly getting caught with their pants on their ankles not knowing what the hell happened with all these rules that they have in um in the rule book but no way to no way to enforce them how the hell are you gonna have like all these cameras and all all this technology around because of replay and all this and all that, and not have some sort of independent uh, committee to make sure that people aren't trying. We're, we're, we're going to trust baseball players. The most uh, what's the word I was looking at. What's the word I used before the most crooked uh, uh, pro athlete that uh, that's ever no, been known to man in this country. You talk about football players, basketball players, hockey players, now baseball players, baseball players are the most deceivious, mischievous um you know on this honest group of pro athletes you're ever going to see and we're just going to trust all these suckers with all this technology around and you don't think they're going to use that to their advantage that's the game for 100 plus years that's always trying to find an advantage no matter how uh uh, how uh along the line they're walking from cheating and not cheating from sportsmanship to unsportsmanship baseball players don't care about that for all the things about unwritten rules and all that crap, at the end of the day, it's all about winning. And you know why it's all about winning? Because we saw the two the two suckers who were involved heavily in those cheating scandals, Alex Cora and uh, uh what's the other guy's name, the, the manager who was it? Hinch. Again? AJ Hinch. They got jobs almost immediately. Yep. Why? Because everybody wants to win, no matter what. That's the name of the game. So yep. aside from that, though, I mean you when people said that the Astros were done, that they were finished that that major league baseball really laid down the law, some people say they got to slip on the wrist, but regardless, they got draft picks removed and money removed. And inter- I think even international pool money removed. We talked about it on this podcast, Sean, all they did was reload and restock Carlos Correa has gone. All right, well, we just got this kid named Jeremy Pena that no one knows about. We're just going to bring him up and he's going to be a, a good uh, replacement. Uh, uh, who else was gone? Um, There was a center fielder that also left. The
1: Springer. Uh, no, Springer, yeah, Springer, uh, uh, Chas McCormick, Correa, yeah, Springer, Chas Correa, McCormick. lots and of then, people. And then Chas McCormick's the guy
0: who uh, who got the game winning catch in Game Five of last year's World Series, right? Yeah, uh, against the wall? <laughs> okay. Oh, by the way, uh, really quick, you mentioned Carlos Lee. It reminds me that there was a White Sox team with Carlos Lee and Mike Lee were doing this in the same team. Very exciting team. But leave it to the White Sox to try to build a team around corner outfielders as opposed to a center fielder. Yeah, well, I digressed. Man, so anyway, Ma- I
1: Maglio was a great hitter. Oh, god, he was so good.
0: The fun teams, man. And uh, you could see why the uh, Tigers went to a, a world series with him. Um,
1: he had um, a career 871 OPS, Maglio very underrated. 502 very underrated. career slug. That's wild to play till you're 37 and keep that slug over 500. granted I mean, I know the era, but um. And-
0: and to put a, a ribbon on this really quick Sean uh the who other teams i was considering the Seattle Mariners but come on do we do i trust what's what's the guy the, the Poto. DePoto. DePoto. <laughs> uh, all my favorite players are going to be gone within Yeah a they're year. they're gone. <laughs> uh the Brewers we saw how cheap uh, i thought Jerry Rice was cheap the Brewers oh my god the Brewers uh they're never going to win. They're never going to amount to anything. So It's like
1: you
0: know, th- what they did to Corbin th- Burns this week that's Yeah ridiculous.
1: that 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 was rough. Um,
0: save $750,000, Sean. Yeah,
1: yeah. They, they, they talked about the whole arbitration process and winning fixes everything and how when Stearns was there, they did go to what MLB recommended to teams in terms of like if you're trying to save money. Apparently, MLB actually recommended this to teams was just go to trial and file where you submit your numbers, they submit their number. If they don't agree to your number, you're going to arbitration and just go go there yeah. Um, exactly. because that will, you know, if the player knows you're not willing to negotiate and they, and they don't want to go to arbitration, which teams know the players don't want to go because they know what's going to happen. Yeah. um, They're more likely to accept your figure. Um, David Stearns was the one that was in Houston when they went to that. But when they would go to arbitration, David Stearns was considered kind of, uh he was assistant GM for the Astros at the time under Luno. Um, but he was the more tact, uh personable, didn't really like throw it in your face like you suck. Um, but I want to say they said it was after Stearns left or it might have even been when Stearns was there. They did do it to one player, Jason Castro, mm-hmm. when Jason Castro went to arbitration. And Drellick uh, writes in the book that he said, we just killed him. Uh, we said, you know he wasn't worth the money he was asking for and that really he was one of the worst offensive players in baseball. And I'm like, Oh my God. Not lying. Technically. And lying. Then, then, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> at that point, especially, yeah. but it, it was one of those like, um and then when Stearns left for Milwaukee and then Brandon Talman, you know, who had his own issues after the, the whole Ozuna thing with the reporter, uh, he became like, I was kind of shocked at how large of a role he had in the Houston front office. They dive into it in the book where after they won their world series in 17, like Luna was president of baseball operations and Talman was GM and anything but name. Uh, but apparently when he took over the arbitration process, he was a, a big component of it. And they said he would just, I mean, m- murder people with it. And I, I can't remember what player who it was. It might've been Colin McHugh. Mm. But right at the very end, for the last rebuttal, um, basically the last word the team was going to get, and the team, the players reps weren't going to be able to say anything. They brought up his injury uh, some sort of medical record, and that was the, and it was it had nothing to do with what the players reps had just said. But they just kind of ambushed him with it at the very end. And uh, yes. usually, they said customary they they shake hands after the <laughs> hearing. Um, and apparently one of the player reps came up to Braden Talman and said, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> and that was just like the culture at Houston. And I'm just like, I can see why this happened now. Which and this is it, and
0: it, and this after okay. David Stearns left for you, sir.
1: I believe so. Uh, it, I, Stearns might have still been there, but I think Talman was the one like actually in the room okay. during uh, the the ARBs.
0: Because uh, we're, we're, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's just so funny that you mentioned David Stearns being uh, the guy with the tact and all that. Uh, David Stern's is no longer the Brewers' uh, uh, front office uh, guy anymore. He left uh, this past offseason.
1: No, he and no if, he's he's locked like okay. He's he there. He has one year left on his contract, and they didn't want him to leave. Uh huh. So he's there, but not there. If that makes any sense.
0: So because my 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 my, uh, my my angle here was I was gonna say it's funny that David Stern steps down from being the full time GM. And then this is how the Brewers treat Colburn Burns. I'm wondering if this would have happened if David Stearns was really in charge. Still, Uh, I mean, what do you think of that? Does this happen? What happened to Colburn Burns this past week in arbitrations? Does this happen if David Stearns is still uh, really in charge of the team?
1: Probably not, but it could have been. I mean, okay. I mean, because he is not. Yeah, he's he's he did step down and Matt Arnold's taken over, but he's still there because he has one year left on his contract. And, um, I, I think it's a little bit out of spite because there, you know, there's been so many rumors going back to when Cohen originally bought the team that they were going to bring in Stearns for president of baseball operations. Honestly, I think once that contract's up, he might become team president they might just hand him, uh, with Sandy Alderson on the way out. Um, they might just put him in charge of everything. Um, he has the MLB, he worked in MLB's office, he has that background, mm-hmm. he has the baseball background, um, so yeah, I could definitely see the the Mets taking a run at him, and I also see why the Milwaukee owner wouldn't want to uh, just give him away, like give permission to have him seek a job elsewhere, even though it would be a promotion, I mean, he'd be going from just over baseball ops to over an entire organization.
0: And uh, to put another ribbon on this one, I'm looking at the other teams that were might have I might have considered the guardians that's another team we kind of yep. uh positively talk about I, but... I,
1: I would i would have bet it you would have picked cleveland so i'm a little shocked
0: uh, it's just it's they're too cheap man I mean, it's the brewers i mean it's the same reason I, i'm not going to root for the brewers is they're too cheap don't don't give me that you don't have any money get out of here uh the maybe the twins i've always liked the twins from, from afar but not that much the Yankees I might as well root for the Dodgers if that's the case <laughs> um the Rangers that's always and the Blue Jays that's always, those are two interesting teams but I feel like they don't know what the hell they're doing half the time yeah. the Nationals I've always respected Mike Rizzo and the teams that he put together although I can't I, I can't can, I cannot co-sign what he's doing right
1: now with that RIP RP Ted Lerner. Right. Uh, the Cardinals. Come, ugh, gross. The Cardinals. Disgusting. <laughs> That's where that little Cubs fan lives. <laughs> oh, it's, they're
0: just annoying as hell. They are one of the most annoying people I've ever met. They're nice. They are super nice. I've been to Bush Stadium. They are some of the nicest people you're ever going to encounter, but they're just so overbearing. I, I can't do it. Uh, Giants are interesting. They're the, the pod- they're
1: the Braves. I mean, they're just the Braves of the Central. <laughs> the Braves of the Central. That, that's all they are. It's no like the, way the, they've no. won. They've won for two goddamn long, and they just have this air about them that all they do is win. And somebody just needs to kick them in the teeth. Yeah, right. Uh,
0: <laughs> Padres are interesting. Giants are interesting. The Mets. I can't do the Mets. I'm sorry, right. dude. I'm sorry. I, 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 I wouldn't I, want you
1: to. Don't put yourself through that.
0: no, no New York teams for me. Yeah. So, uh, and that's it. Uh, you know. I'm sorry. Do the Braves fans call themselves the best fans in baseball? I rest my case. Moving on. <laughs> question number two for you, Sean. All right. So we 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 talked about dynasty leagues. You're, you, I just you're in another 30 team league, no. but let's let's say you're starting from scratch. All right. And this is like a three tier question, really quick. Okay. Uh, if you are starting a new keeper league, right? You know, you know what a keeper league is, yes, right? Yes. And let's say let's just say 12 team, right? Let's not get okay. too complicated here. 12 team keeper league. Uh, let's say you get to keep three players. And 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 the first year of keeper leagues, they start right now. Who are you drafting number uh, with your first pick with your first round pick?
1: Oh Jesus! Um, I should
0: say number one pick overall. Who, number who okay,
1: it? so number one overall, and I know I get to keep him for at least three years. At least three um, years, yeah. I would probably go. That's tough. It like is. Julio, I, I feel like Julio Rodriguez is a really popular answer. But yep. you know how skeptical I am of the uber-talented but kind of wishy-washy hit tool. I, I see mm-hmm. the 26%, 27% strikeout rate, and yep. you get a little worried. You worry if the power drops at all, like what you're left holding the bag. I, I almost – how old is this guy? Oh, uh, uh, Rodriguez, 22. No. I'll, I'm going Kyle Tucker. Oh, jeez. Kyle Tucker. I think he has, like, the best of every little bit of tool. Uh, He has the 30 home run power. He has the 20-plus stolen base pop. He has the ability to hit for a pretty high average, uh, especially now that the shift's gone. Um, I think he's in the middle of a very good lineup, going to be batting in front of guys like Jordan Alvarez, hopefully. God, I I swear to – if Dusty Baker hits Jeremy Pena second and not Kyle Tucker, or hits Jeremy Pena anywhere in the top three and Kyle Tucker's (laughs) not in the top three, I am going to lose my damn mind. Come on, dude, man.
0: You got to give Jeremy some of the bats at the top, you know? Come oh, on, yeah, man. Yeah.
1: It worked in the postseason, dude, dude. It worked dude. in the postseason. You don't mess with success. You know what I mean, dude? Come on, man. No. That's
0: uh, that, yeah, that just I,
1: shows he's an inferior hitter that needs better hitters behind him. Kyle Tucker does not. <laughs> we,
0: we can't just leave Jeremy on, on an island by himself, man. Come on, dude. Uh, all right, well, that's your keeper league. What about a dynasty league where you get to keep these players uh, in perpetuity and uh, you have that kind of a long-term uh, – Mindset going in, who's your dynasty leaguer for this?
1: Oh, ex- um, exercise that kind of puts me in the mind of a Juan Soto mm. or a Wander Franco. Like, I, I think that's kind of where I end up. There, I know Wander Franco has kind of lost a lot of his shine, but I, I think he's still an insanely talented player. Uh, but I'd probably go one Soto just because it's so safe. I mean, I, I feel more comfortable with him.
0: And the last one, now you are, let's call yourself, you are in charge, Sean. You are in uh-huh. charge of a real Major League Baseball team. You are the David Stearns of this team. And Major League Baseball, you know, let's call it, you're, you're part of an expansion team, right? And Major League Baseball has decided, you know, since you're starting out and we want to make sure this expansion team has all the, you know, the advantages going into the first season. Uh You get to pick whoever you want in Major League Baseball to start your franchise. So that's the face, the productivity, yeah. the tickets, the big money draw. All of that goes into effect, right? When you're owning a real team. Who is that number one guy for you? That you would build your franchise around?
1: Uh
0: you might've done this with your out of the, out of the park, uh, whatever that's called.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think you do. Like, I, I think it comes down to like a Juan Soto again. Um, wow. I mean, you could. Yeah. Um, th- th- that's a tough question. Cause it's just, there's so many, especially guys that maybe aren't even in the major leagues yet. Mm-hmm. Um but you don't want to pick somebody that's not really proven, but you don't want to pick somebody that's too old or too proven. Um,
0: You know, that sweet spot, like a barrel.
1: Yeah, I I would definitely pick Juan Soto, because now, like, looking at this list, it's just kind of absurd. Um, Of all the qualified hitters last year in Major League Baseball, the youngest was Julio Rodriguez at 21. Number two was Bobby Witt Jr. at 23. Um, You had one, two, one, two. You had five 23 year olds. They wow. were Juan Soto, Andres Jimenez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Alejandro Kirk, and MJ Melendez. So <laughs> Juan Soto was the third youngest qualified player in baseball last year, and he's one freaking Soto. So yeah, I'm, I'm picking Juan Soto again. Uh,
0: for my list, I couldn't help but go with Ronald LaCunha Jr. I just, I've always liked the kid, I always liked the guy. Uh, I know that he's had the knee injury. He doesn't play center field as much because I think he only qualifies at right field, I believe.
1: Yeah. He's, uh, I, he's. I think the center field days are, I mean, you. it's hard to say done because he's only 24, but
0: I don't know. I've also considered J-Rod as well, just because I like him. But yeah, you're right. The swinging tendencies do kind of concern me a little bit, but it seems like he was able to control his strikeouts in mm-hmm. the minors just fine. But yeah, at one point, Late last season, he was up to 30%. I think we talked about that on this this show as well. Whereas uh, Ronald Acuna has a track record already. He's still only 24 years old. He'll be 20. Actually, he's 25 now. Uh, His birthday's in December. So he's 25 coming into the season. But I just can't help but think that he still has 30-30 potential, especially with all these rule changes. I think uh, he's one of the more exciting players in Major League Baseball. I know last year I'm going to call it a wash that it was just because of the injury, but I just can't help but think. But this is the guy I want to build my team around in in keeper leagues or even in dynasty leagues, because the other name that showed up on my list was uh uh Aaron Judge. But, you know, he's old. Yeah, 31. And even with the new rules, I don't know if he's going to steal 15 stolen bases again.
1: No, I think that was the contract year stolen base number that we see kind of a lot.
0: And it could have been just because the Yankees were struggling. As so funny much, as it yeah. sounds struggling to score runs without him yeah. uh in the bat so if he wanted to score runs himself he had to take a few more chances than usual probably i don't know uh a dynasty i didn't think about it that far ahead in terms of dynasty but i guess ronald Acuña or j-rod would be my guys and maybe juan soto as well just um i don't know just where am i getting my stolen bases is my is my question mm-hmm. i think the older juan soto gets the less stolen base he's gonna get and then here's another question for you First year in a keeper or dynasty league. You you tell me what you want. You want a minor leaguer and you want to reach for him. Who's that guy?
1: Minor oh, league prospect. Oh, jeez. There's. I probably will go away from. It, it won't be a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to just pull up a, a quick list here, Um, and they can't have already debuted. Um, or they just have to have prospect eligibility. Because I mean okay. like somebody like Gunnar Henderson, you could still like realistically pick. But if yeah, I'm let's... gonna have but that's not really reaching for somebody. If I had to reach for somebody who even this guy's a top 20 prospect, but still gets lumped behind a lot of bigger names. I think I'm let's... going Andy Rodriguez. Okay. With Pittsburgh. Uh, the I think that yes, the, the switch hitting catcher, second baseman, left fielder. I like the positional versatility. I love the hit tool, uh the burgeoning power, the good plate discipline. Yeah, and and Andrew Rodriguez is the play.
0: I have him listed here somewhere, but yeah, I I guess not to disclose too much of my secrets, but I have (laughs) both Francisco Alvarez and Anthony Volpe at the very top of my list here uh, for number one, number two. And again, this is uh, guys who uh, are, my list is a little bit more complicated. These are guys who have not debuted. At least they shouldn't have debuted already. But number two, uh, they're not expected to make the big league roster although i just listened to rates and barrels this past week and there's uh eno made a case of hey, if anthony volpe is playing with the starters on almost on a semi regular basis you can probably put him pencil him in and as making it to the opening day roster at this point so i may have to move him on to my real list if that's the case but i have a, a backup list so to speak in case uh i want to get a, a minor league player so rodriguez oh okay rodriguez is top 10 andy rodriguez is top 10 on my list yeah. uh but my guy You're going to think I'm crazy, but if I'm starting in a new keeper league or a new dynasty league, I am very intrigued by Jackson holiday.
1: Okay. And he's, he's gotten like, when I first, like you see the headshot of him, and you're like, that kid's a baby. Like he's like at least five years away. Just, but, um, he got a lot of love in that. I've heard like, even like going forward, it's like, the plate discipline's insane like the swing just like maybe not even plate discipline but like swing decisions are really good so uh for how young yeah i mean he is 19 he just turned 19 yeah um it's a teenager it it, it, it just depends on i guess how fast they push him mm-hmm. uh but i've heard just from social media and words from scouts on social media and whatnot that like and reports from scouts that like they they really do think the world of Jackson Holiday and like the makeup and that he can move fast but it's like hard for me to reconcile that with like when I see him and it's like he's not that big he looks like a baby and I'm just like okay he but he's a long way away but the, the way they make it sound like he could move very very fast
0: yeah that's so I mean it's it's the reason why I have him on the, like my prospect lists are usually uh reserved for guys who for for leagues, you know, I'm not in a crazy league like you are, Sean. But yeah. these are for leagues like you know, short term, you know, very short term. Are, are they gonna be coming up soon? Are they is there a propensity to think that they're gonna be moved up like a Luis Robert? He, how quickly he got moved up the minor leagues? And I don't get that from Jackson Holiday, but just the fact that number one, he's people love him. Uh very high profile pick, and there's some name recognition because he's the dad uh He's yeah. the son of former major Matt, leaguer Matt, Matt holiday. holiday yep. So that's a lot of things uh, as far as pitchers go. Uh, I got number one, number two, Daniel Espino and Yuri Perez. I think if I have to get a picture with in, in some in these formats, it, it'd be those two guys right there.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so uh, it, any picture that you want to include on uh, that you would uh, consider?
1: I, I like Espino, but the injury risk and everything is high. Uh, Yuri Perez is still really good, but um, you know, it's hard for a pitching prospect to really win me over just yeah. cause I've kind of been burned there so much, but mm-hmm. I, I think it with when it comes to pitching prospects, you might not want to oversell for the number one guy, but rather get like a gaggle of like the 15 to 25 range uh, and just kind of do the quality over quant or quantity over quality mm-hmm. and see if just one of them hits rather yeah, than yeah. putting all your eggs in one basket.
0: So basically anybody from the Texas Ranger system got it. Yeah, basically. All, at least that's why I have it on my list. All right. Uh, what do you got for me, man?
1: Okay. So you said you started playing fantasy. I believe it was what? You said 2002? Two,
0: 2001. No, it was 2001 because I remember I was pissed off. I was a teenager. Leave me alone, yeah. guys. But I was pissed <laughs> off that they canceled games for 9-11. Uh, that, okay. That's how uh, yeah, bratty of a child I was. Yeah.
1: So you've played over 20 years of fantasy Unfortunately. baseball. Unfortunately, yeah. What slash who... <laughs> Has been the biggest surprise throughout the years. And I, it, 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 oh, like I said, I, I, I did this very vaguely that it could have been a what or a who. Yeah, uh,
0: or the or members of the Who,
1: <laughs> Robert Townsend. But like, me. what was like the number one thing that like surprised you? And tar- like, was it like did you not expect Mike Trout to be that good, or uh, the, some sort of scandal? Like, what was like the one? One thing that made you go, whoa.
0: Oh, man, this is so open-ended. And you know how I struggle with my open-ended <laughs> questions. Um, I guess the one that hurt them, because this was personal for me, the one that hurt a lot to me was I was able to, uh, in the mid-2010s, around the Mike Trout era, I was able to get a bunch of uh, first-round picks, uh, early-round picks for some of my established veterans. mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: And I was able to get back George Springer, Will Myers, and Oscar Tavares at one point, all on the same team. Like, all right, well, my team's going to suck, but at least I have these guys. No. They're supposed to be the top echelon prospects uh, uh, in the future of Major League Baseball, right? And uh, and, and I guess that's, a, that's a, a a cautionary tale about what happens. I mean, we you saw me in this Baseball Life League how I made five consecutive draft picks on minor league players. Yeah. And the only one that, and these were all really good minor league players. And I guess that was my next question I was going to ask you, uh, with that previous question. You know, uh, question two I, two C I I should say. <laughs> question two, letter C, uh, <laughs> su, sub Roman numeral number I, as uh, the discussions that we always have about these minor league players. Right? Can we? Can they be trusted? Do we put too much stock in them? And in this instance, yeah, uh, Will Myers did not live up to that lofty number one expectation. Uh, number one prospect expectation in all of baseball in the 2010s. At least I don't think he did.
1: I mean, uh, I...
0: no, he disappointed. Come on.
1: Oh, okay. But I would say that for even like someone that is a number one to like number 10 top prospect to end up sticking in the league for 10 years. But that's the not what a... you draft these guys, though. Yeah, for uh, for, for, for it, fantasy it, purposes? Yeah, it's not what you expect. But I have a it's hard not what time. You draft them. Okay. We'll call them a fantasy bust then. But even that, then, he, I mean, yeah. he had like a like almost like a 30-30 season, a 30-20 season, but it wasn't like what you expected.
0: Yeah. I mean, we just talked about how we won Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna. Will Myers at one point was part of that conversation because of the baseball America putting him at number one. Yeah. So yeah, real baseball, wonderful player. Fine. He's not making it to the Hall of Fame, but he did what he could, lasted a long time, made a lot of money. Fantasy baseball, it's one of those guys you can't trust. (laughs) <laughs> Ever and and you were if you were like me you you fell for it thank God for those other picks that I was given it otherwise really, this day would have really it, been messed up it
1: it really is so weird in his career that like normally with strikeout rate there's like a more of a arc to it like it starts high and then it goes low and then it comes back up again um but his is just basically gone up like mm-hmm. it's just gotten higher and higher. Just about every year, but he still had like really good years. I didn't realize how good he was in the COVID year. Holy hell. He had a 155 WRC plus. <laughs> what? 606 slugging. He had 15 home runs and 55 games.
0: Got a lot of small sample sizes.
1: Oh God. Uh,
0: uh, George Springer was the guy I didn't want. I didn't want him, but I, you're like, oh, well, you're going to give me George Springer. I, I guess, but I'm ready to trade him away. And he ended up being the best player of the three because the third guy on the on that trade Oscar yep. Taveras, he passed away, unfortunately. And just when he was starting to get good, he showed a lot of good plate discipline when he got called out by the Cardinals. And then that following winter, he died, uh, a yeah. car accident in the Dominican Republic. And that started like this slew of, of, of car accidents. And the Majordan Ventura was the other guy yeah, as well. Uh, the I other feel thing like there
1: was one more that was between them, but I can't, I might be thinking of somebody else.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, don't drink and drive, don't drive at night. And the Dominican Republic roads can't be trusted. That's at no. least, and that's not that's just me saying that it's people who live down there who complain about it you're losing your your favorite baseball players because of it um and then the, some other things that and because I've only been in this Mardi Gras League for a while that was only the only, the only league I did the points league the head-to-head points league uh exclusively almost. Some of the other things that kind of stood out how dominant Barry Bonds was at that time. You know, I always feel like I can def- I can beat anybody, I can compete with anybody. And around this time, I was really struggling because I was just, number one, this is why I don't trade my own, I don't trade for my favorite players on my favorite teams. Cause that was the biggest mistake I ever did in this league. Was I I got I got I I traded all my best players so I can get guys like Kerry Wood, Sammy Sosa, Paul <laughs> and I, I, I That's how cocky I was. Like uh, I could, I could win with my favorite players. It's going to be a great summer. And then I was miserable. That's why I make fun of the, these people who are like, oh, I'm going to draft all my Philly, all my favorite Phillies players. And then I laugh at them when <laughs> their teams suck. That's what happens. That, more often than not, that's what happens. That's why I make fun. of, Oh, you're a Mets homer, Sean, because you know I know you're going to get burnt by it, but you, yep. you know.
1: I mean, look at this one. We I, get a, we... haven't gotten burned the last two years, but I've also made a <laughs> conscious effort to like move away from that. Like, there are still a few like Mets players that I will mm-hmm. pick, but it's not because they're Mets. It's because I do think they're very good and I'm usually the high person on them.
0: So, like, I mean, you know, like,
1: Brandon Nemo is in that group. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I Pete Alonso is not in that group for me, but Brandon Nemo, Jeff, because I feel like they're inefficiencies that I can take advantage of. That other people, especially in fantasy, because a lot of the times that like the McNeils and Nemos are like, oh, they're better in real life than they are in fantasy because they yeah. don't hit a lot of home runs. They don't steal a lot of bases. And I'm just like, okay. But if I draft them a little bit higher than where they're going and I take a risk on somebody who could hit a lot of home runs or steal a lot of bases later, then I just raised my floor and I'm not like so reliant on the the risk later in drafts because I can kind of establish that I'm not going to go into a free fall in this category or that category. So I, I, I'm always, a have been a floor over ceiling person. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's been, on the record for on this podcast for the last four or five years so uh
1: don't draft high school pitchers <laughs> oh yeah don't, let's not do that
0: uh re- says the guy who gushed over andrew painter this whole offseason yeah that is true. Uh, <laughs> but no anyway uh barry bonds dominant uh randy johnson pedro martinez dominant you know who was all who else kind of surprised me as well now that you mention it a guy like a, a guy like Derek lowe who not only was a great starting pitcher maybe great as a strong word but he was damn good starting Derek pitcher. lowe
1: or Derek lee
0: Derek lowe starting pitcher um, and he was also a pretty darn good closer so you were you were able to get
1: uh uh production he last pitched in 2013 uh, you were able to get so yeah the, i kind of i remember his. i okay i remember the last few la years atlanta and then texas you were able to
0: stop at his peak with the red sox you were able to get all types of production from that guy i, I mean i've seen i've seen teams win with him so
1: oh, God, that is so, weird I I never like noticed that in his career that he was a relief pitcher. I'm telling you, 20 years, man, 15 saves, 42 saves, 24 saves. And then the very next year, 200, he went from back to back 91 in one third and 91 and two thirds innings. And then the very next season, 220 innings. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who uh, who needs this building up of arm <laughs> like that's all crap <laughs> uh,
0: the 2000s were weird man but you know what else was weird uh brandon webb perennial Cy oh, young God. candidate yeah. and then his arm broke off it, was, it, it wasn't even tommy john it was a shoulder
1: yeah, yeah it was a shoulder uh really yeah, I'm, if you haven't watched it yet you need to go watch jolly olive um What's that? he does the mets um uh, John boy podcast with Jerry Blevins, but he started off as like his own individual YouTuber. And he kind of does like foolish baseball type videos of like these very uh, random people that we've may have forgotten about, but he did a Brandon Webb one. And it was really, I mean, he was there for six years and then never pitched again. I mean, he he never missed a game and then he missed the rest of his career, but he did a really good video on Brandon Webb. That was uh, fun to watch.
0: So I talked about Derek Lowe, Derek Lowe, was mostly on the on the guy's team uh, our commissioner's team uh who also had randy johnson so you can imagine how many championships they won
1: Uh,
0: the guy who had barry bonds also had albert pujols so you can imagine how many champions they won so that's i think that's one of the things uh, i can remember over the last 20 years is how just how dominant crazy dominant guys like barry bonds albert pujols were even alex rodriguez even with his strikeouts uh, well, I guess he didn't strike out a lot I'm thinking about yeah. uh, uh, rod was pretty dominant so yeah you get to appreciate just how dominant some of these guys could be in a points league setting because it's 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 there's a tangible number that shows how killer they were yeah. uh, pools was m- a million times better than a lot of the hitters uh during his era uh you mentioned Mike trout because uh, I want to talk about Mike trout really quick too um Mike trout uh, it, and my blog I had him as a top 10 prospect there was a lot of issues with Mike Trout though like he Mm -hmm. had a lot to learn and and he got exposed that first time he got called up and of course he had the tools and the makings to be one of the greatest (sighs) at least one of the best hitters uh when he got called up and he could just figure out major league pitching he could be a very productive hitter did I get feelings of greatest generational no greatest generational uh player of all time I don't know. I think at that time, I think I had, oh, who would have been my number one guy?
1: Shoot. So it would have know. been like 2010 to 2011, 2012, uh, even I was somewhere
0: around their baseball America's uh, list. And I could probably look for it, but yeah, yeah I just I'm, start... pull, I'm
1: pulling up the 2010 list. But
0: uh, you know, on that, on that list, John, uh, you'll appreciate it. You had the Zach wheelers and the Noah
1: Syndergaard of the world. You, know, and... you had Jason Hayward, Steven Strasburg, Giancarlo Stanton, Dominic Buster Brown. Posey, Desmond Jennings. Um, famous Montgomery Biscuit, there. Carlos Santana, Alcides Escobar, Dominic Brown, Jesus Montero. I'm just kind of jumping around here, I'm not going in order. Um, (laughs) Jason Castro just mentioned you on the pod. Uh, Will Myers 33, D Gordon 36, it's shortstop.
0: I found it, I found it, Sean. Uh, 2012. From we are 10 years, Sean. Thank you for doing this to me. 10 years in the making. The 2012 Major League Baseball Prospect Review. Here are the top five. Number five, Trevor Bauer. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Te- this is just funny. Julio Teheran from the Braves. Number four. Why? Because some I I saw that he was being compared to Pedro Martinez.
1: Uh
0: well, you got to have the next Pedro, right? Uh, you mentioned Jesus Montero. You're right. Number three, uh, one of the many players that were linked to the Biogenesis scandal.
1: Where was this? Uh, was this posted on an uh, XM? on my blog no no this is before uh, this is the reason i
0: got hired by extent they saw how uh, much i th- uh, this is <laughs> at my old blog pathologicalhate.blogspot.com i could oh you know what i can send you the link
1: yeah that's uh, i kind of want to read along
0: <laughs> sorry about that let me send that to you right now so and that that's this is probably the last time i ever did anything like this i was unemployed i had some time so <laughs> I had time in between job applications is what i was doing
1: uh bryce harper number two ah uh, okay Oh, so we're all, going from five to one. Okay. This makes sense yeah, so at that point. <laughs> uh, to, head to number one, <laughs> hey, uh, you just got a contract like two days ago uh, at this point. Number two, Bryce Harper.
0: Oh. And I think I had, uh, I think I'm going to have my child either top nine or top 11. I forget. And it's because of the strikeouts. I didn't like the strikeouts. Number one on the freaking list. I can't believe, I cannot believe I'm read this.
1: <laughs> it's, Matt, okay. it's okay. Just Matt, let it
0: out. Matt Moore. Uh, the outlook that I was reading and I had this in quotes and I, you know looking back I should have cited who I, I don't know if it's this is baseball America or if this is CVS Sports. One of those two told me that Matt Moore might be better than Steven Strasberg. <laughs> <laughs> so oh yeah. how
1: far we've come.
0: Uh in number 10, Miguel Sano. Number nine, oh, it is
1: this almost is to the date. This is a week from uh this is what uh, seven 10 years away. ago yeah. 10 years
0: ago to the day oh. i told you miguel Sano, number 10 number nine mike
1: trout number eight danny holtz remember that oh danny holtz did he end up, actually end up pitching like during the covid year or something for the, i think for the cubs, the cubs maybe? yeah i don't
0: remember number seven shelby miller number six nolan Arenado. Should I continue? This is getting painful for me. (laughs) Number 15, James Paxton. Number 14, Brad Peacock. I will never give up on Brad Peacock.
1: I remember I picked Brad Peacock in the 30-team league after the first season. Somebody had dropped him, and I was like, I'm not going to give up on him, and he hasn't never pitched again. And I wasted a second-round pick in the first-year player draft on him. Uh number 13, Jacob
0: Turner. Control. Uh, this is the outlook. 20. This has to be from CBS. He's a control artist. Uh should make his way to the big leagues in 2012. I don't think he ever did. or maybe he did for like very short stints. Jacob Turner. Number 12, Randall Delgado. Depends if Braves? Tim Hudson is. Braves? Yeah. Uh well he's he listed as the diamondbacks, but I also see Tim If Tim Hudson's not healthy, Randall Delgado might get the start in the opening day roster.
1: Yeah, it must have been a trade, I think, then.
0: And who the hell is Dwayne Below? Oh, uh, lefty, lefty, and, right? And this might be oh, I didn't list that. But this might be just because I'm trying to see who's gonna be who has a good chance of making that opening day roster.
1: Yeah. But this, I, this I, is, he pitched for the Mets at one point, Dwayne Below, but he was mainly a tiger. Well, he uh, uh, Dwayne below lived up to my expectations. Okay, so he never pitched for the Mets. Why did he have a picture of um oh he signed a minor league contract with the Mets in 2015, but he never made the roster. ah uh,
0: I was impressed by below's 1.30 whip in AAA. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and his uh, 6.1 strikeout per nine. How have times have changed?
1: Yeah, I was going to say I'm looking at his major league uh, strikeout numbers. 4.34K per nine, 5.63K per nine, 6.75K per nine. It almost just doesn't seem real like that we're playing the same sport than we were 10 years ago, like in terms uh, of strikeouts.
0: Uh, just around at like, the top twenty. This is getting bad. Will Middlebrooks, number twenty, number nineteen. Nate Yovaldi, number eighteen. Lonnie Chisenhall.
1: Ah, I remember Lonnie Chisenhall.
0: Another left-hander coming up, number seventeen. Yonder Alonzo. So this is back when I loved my left-handed hitters. Apparently, <laughs> and if,
1: if these were the left-hand hitters you love, I understand why you don't love them anymore.
0: <laughs> number sixteen, Drew Pomeranz, Colorado Colorado, Colorado Rockies starting pitcher.
1: Palmer. Oh, Drew. Uh, you said Drew or Colin?
0: No, Drew Pomerantz. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's. Uh, I was about to say there was a Colin Pomerantz? Yeah, I know. I know Drew uh,
0: Jack, uh Zach Wheeler shows up at number twenty-four. This is just.
1: <laughs> it's some. It's good to go back and reminisce.
0: Anthony Rizzo, number thirty. Mike Montgomery, Anthony number twenty-nine. Who? Rizzo, number uh, thirty. Oh, Rizzo, okay. Number 29, Mike Montgomery. So, I was already foreseeing the 2016 Cubs championship there, right there. There
1: you go. They're all bundled together.
0: Uh, Garrett Richards, number 27. And here's a guy I really like. Number 26, Devin Masarocco, catcher for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, yep. Voluntarily
1: right. retired because he didn't make the major league roster for the Mets.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, did that satisfy your, your answer there? Yeah, that, uh,
1: that that was better than I could have ever asked for. Oh, that's this is this is bad um <laughs> this is bad
0: <laughs> well there was a method to my madness in asking you all these questions i know we're going a little bit over actually we're about oh no, yeah a,
1: we're right at about an hour
0: an hour uh, okay and I, I
1: think i have one or um, yeah
0: you, you have one more as well i think unless you throw me another curveball a slider um, so to speak
1: yeah so that was you, you don't have one more i got one more for you yeah 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 so you go and then i have one but
0: more. i gotta preface this by saying okay So we've seen guys from baseball perspectives. We've seen guys from fan make it to major league baseball front offices. We've seen the nerds win the battle of nerds versus old school, whatever you want to call them. You know, I cannot name you a former major league baseball player who's now a general manager or has a big hand in the day-to-day operations of baseball on these 30 teams of major league baseball. Uh, Dave Cameron, Padres and and Enos just uh, Eno Serres and the DVR on their Rates and Barrels podcast just talked about how they were able to acquire some I forgot who it was but they were able to acquire some guy, uh, the Padres that because Dave Cameron really pushed hard to get this guy and I I don't know who the name was I can't remember it if I look at the roster I'll probably it'll probably trigger on memory but uh, if you know, if you know off the top of your head just let me know mm-hmm. but Dave Cameron uh, former Fangraphs writer now a Padres uh, front office person. Uh, got credit big time for some uh, acquisition. Uh, no, I'm going to do a
1: random right Twitter um, search. Yeah, uh, Dave Cameron Padres. is, and
0: it might have been something as simple as Xander Bogarts, but who knows? Know. Well, I don't know. Uh, Kevin Goldstein was the first guy I noticed that you know former baseball prospectus writer going to the Houston Astros mm-hmm. uh, was. Oh,
1: he was. He they talked about Goldstein a bunch in yep. Relic's book a bunch.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm telling
1: you, you need to read it. It was a really, and it's, everyone's like, I guess I've read one review that I was like, it was um, no new information on the sign healing scandal, which I really don't think that was what he wrote the book about, like to, and talk about the details or unearth new stuff that we knew how they did, pulled it off. The book was about how it happened, how it didn't get stopped the in just kind of the culture i guess that was created um that's the one thing about the the sketching
0: is about the houston astros is that they do have a bunch of from what i just from listening that they do have a bunch of uh business former business executives who did a lot of shady stuff on the business side of things uh in, in in the corporate world so they were able to
1: i mean even even crane's business ventures um, yeah, he, he, he had a lot of issues in the past. Where but, does he come um, from again? Is he from he, big he, energy as well? He was a, a global logistics of course um, he was. yeah, yeah. He had a global logistics, he had um, a lawsuit, a discrimination hiring discrimination lawsuit that he settled, and then war profiteering uh, ch- charges that a couple of his employees went to prison for. Um, but. Yeah, Jesus he, he's a he's a major league owner. <laughs> all of a sudden, I feel less bad about Steve Cohen paying two billion dollars in SEC fines. <laughs> all right,
0: maybe maybe I don't want to root for the. Nah, no, okay. No, I mean, it's but still-
1: no, but it was you know the kind of the premise that Drelick says is you know they brought in all of these insane smart people, which nobody doubts the intelligence of Luno, but it was just this absolute fixation on winning and just not even winning, but constantly evolving is not the right word. Um, Constantly improving, constantly evolving, like being just the tip of the spear in anything you do, like being the first person that runs through that door. Like, and when you're doing something like that and you kind of take off the guardrails, sometimes it works out great when, you know, they became such big users of like the edutronic camps. But sometimes it also means that if you do something bad, you're not going to necessarily get your hand slapped for it or be told to stop because at least you were trying to be out front. Um, Yeah. So it it was a pretty interesting uh, dilemma going there.
0: So that's the thing that uh, about the Astros, right? That uh, that. uh... Oh, geez, I lost my train of thought. But anyway.
1: The, the the people in baseball ops there were uh, there's even a whole chapter called the island of misfit toys where <laughs> all of these people that had jobs in the Astros baseball operations department had never worked for another baseball ops team and they all figured that if it didn't work in Houston they were never going to get another baseball ops uh, baseball ops you know job yeah so it was like the very like hiring Kevin Goldstein. Uh, hiring, you know, all of these very analytically forward people, Brandon Talman came from Mm -hmm. the finance world and became sort of like this 27 tool in one fixer for this department, that department. And it was just a very interesting, um, not very good culture, but one that definitely prioritized, you know, winning and constant innovation, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess was the word I was looking for, um,
0: so, with all that being said, I mean, we, we've seen business people, we've seen lawyers. I mean, Theo Epstein went to law school, became a front office folk legend. Uh, yeah. These executives, these analytics guys, these numbers guys—you, you, you, you see a job posting in, in, for Major League Baseball teams. Do you know SQL? Do you know R Python? I don't even know yeah, if I'm using Python. these right. R Square, Python, yeah. all uh, Excel, database, Access. Well, all that was crap. how
1: that was how Taubman got hired. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on Fangraphs that the Astros put out a. Economist uh, job posting. They were trying to hire economists. Yeah, applied, and he went from making six figures on Wall Street to like sixty grand with the Astros. (laughs) So he just had a little. Every other, every step, he got more and more power, more and more responsibility. Yeah. um that's why so you save very, your pennies man you got to save your pennies very not, a very interesting situation that one because you never you know, know when that dream job lands and
0: and you're gonna have to take a pay cut to get it but that's why you save up those pennies brother i'll tell you what don't get <laughs> that new car don't get that bigger house just le- live a meager lifestyle and you'll always be rich right no save matter what your time pennies. you're
1: doing
0: <laughs> so I, I gotta save my penny after the show too I no, yeah. she's up to. <laughs> but anyway i mean the other guy i think about jason parks right so all these i think it was Jason Parks, right? Uh, he, he also worked for baseball prospectus mm-hmm. as a oh. as a minor league person. The,
1: the name sounds familiar.
0: I always get confused. It's either Jason McLeod or Jason Parks. Uh, he ended up with the Cubs, I believe. Uh can you just look that up really quick?
1: Yeah, Jason Parks.
0: Um so anyway, so all of that. So and we also got writers who and so the the Sabermetrics people won. They won. Yeah. They're <laughs> they, <baseball>. they won. <laughs> So with that being said, I mean, we listened to Ben the Ben Lindbrooks podcast uh, effectively while and you, he's also very analytical but he throws in some narrative stuff as well but a lot of it is factual evidence-based num- numeric-based podcast rates and barrels is a fantasy basketball podcast that goes really into Eno Series. will just oh yeah I talked to that guy yesterday and I talked to him why don't you throw the change up more <laughs> and I'm not saying that I convinced him but next thing I know I realized that he's doing more of the change up so yeah so, yeah, <laughs> so the- maybe there's something going on there
1: <laughs> yeah Jason Parks writer for uh baseball prospectus Cubs. Well uh, worked for the Cubs for three years as a pro amateur scout and then special assistant to the president GM. Mm-hmm. And for the last five years is the director of professional scouting for the Diamondbacks.
0: Hey, we know how we love the Diamondbacks here. It's not a coincidence, guys. Yeah. And you know what? He left, and the Cubs can't do anything with their farm system either. So yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's so maybe, funny
1: seeing these trees of it, like, you it, know. maybe.
0: Maybe us nerds know something. Else. Maybe we know a little something about. So, the, you know, it's funny you mentioned 20 years, Felipe. You've been on this for 20 years now. And it's funny that you mentioned that because there was a point in time where it was a big no-no to Think that mesh, those, mesh those two worlds together. <laughs> fantasy and real baseball, right? Rates and Barrels, they talk so in-depth about what to look for, swing pads, uh, pitch. Uh, what's mm-hmm. the word you, you use a lot? Pitch, pitch. shape shape and form and yeah. all the this these guys you were not supposed to do that yeah. to for fantasy baseball um analysis and vice versa you don't use fa- uh, fantasy baseball analysis to uh, evaluate m- real baseball major league baseball uh players teams what have you managers general managers what have you it's two different realms but that's the thing especially with this show that we do Sean because I I encourage that no let's let's mesh it together but there is a line eventually you're going to get to a line where you can't do it and I thought about this because and I got to ask you how different is it you're you're doing 30 team leagues and you're and we go on this podcast every damn week talking about these players like we're in that room with Billy Bean and and, and that scene (laughs) from Moneyball and it's like well this guy's girlfriend's ugly yeah but he can get on base well (laughs) he he just he's, he's a little bit too stout yeah but he 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 keeps his strike up percentage below 20%. Yeah. What's
1: what's
0: the problem? Uh you know, he, his head is too big. Yeah, but he's he's stolen 20 bases in the mining <laughs> for the last three years. So the, the, and the sprint speed data, we got the stand, we got all this information that it's not that it's supposedly meant for only Major League Baseball, but we and everybody that we listen to, all the people that we believe in, even the Scott Whites of the world, the Al Melchior's, all those guys I grew up watching, listening throughout the years in the last 20 years. So it's kind of, it is serendipitous that you mentioned that, Sean. What have what have you thought about the 20 years? I think this would have been a part of my answer is how big of a mess The nerds won. <laughs> well, not just that, but just how big of a mesh this has <laughs> yeah. become. Like, there is no differentiation in between anymore. We can use some major league numbers and some major league stats and data and, and tendencies and evaluation formats to analyze fantasy baseball stuff. With that being said, how far are we, do you think from seeing some of these fantasy baseball experts getting jobs in, in, in a, in a major league baseball front office? I, I know it's crazy. I'm, but I'm sure.
1: I mean, like there's definitely some, the patterns there. Yeah. There's definitely Basically,
0: some, you know, would be my guy. It would be my, 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 my predictor. Like I know should be one.
1: I think the thing with him is I think there are a lot of them. Just want to be writers Just want mm-hmm. to be reporters Yeah Um, I, I think especially when you've been a reporter And then you kind of Because not really just online writers Because uh, Like uh, the guy Jason Parks you just told me about yeah. He was more of just an online writer But when you're a reporter like Saris has been That's in the dugout In, in yeah. the clubhouse throwing the microphone in front of a player And I think that's a very Interesting dynamic that's hard to Put behind you if a team were to hire you uh, because uh, say you're you know a coach or some sort of integration specialist for this technology or that technology or some performance coach, or whatever, and you try and go to a player and maybe they don't trust you. I, I don't want to say like maybe they don't trust you as much because they know your reporter background that, oh, if I suck doing this, will he go tell one of his reporter buddies and a story's out about it next week?
0: Uh, Connor points to all that. Make them sign a non-disclosure agreement. You can only yeah. discuss these matters with.
1: Well, then you're an unnamed source in an article.
0: <laughs> oh well, I mean, that means you, you. You make that this. That's that's the thing. That's why I don't respect a lot of these guys who are trying to get into writing. And you can tell that how big of a homers they are for their own team and how, yeah. um, unapologetic, uh, uh, constantly apologetic they are. For their I don't respect those guys. You, you you don't have any a critical eye. You're just a fanboy with a blog. You you don't yeah. do anything. And I think if you were to put Enos Sears in that situation where he gets hired by the San Francisco Giants, and he understands that he's not supposed to, uh, you know, disclose certain things yeah. anymore, and, and you, you, once you get in, you got to give up everything. Dave Cameron yeah. doesn't write anymore. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Goldstein's only writing because he's out of a job, or, or yeah. uh, the whole scandal with Houston. Yeah.
1: Or he, uh, well, he, he actually—he I want to say they—they they mentioned in the book. He got fired like the August of 2019, like before everything broke
0: right 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 so but but you know he went back to writing for fan graphs and I, yeah. I guess he's doing okay but yeah you once you do but that's the thing with these writers though sean I, and here's my counterpoint a lot of these guys all they care about is the f- process does it produce results is there a way to improve what technology they're using that's all of these things that has evolved from the first time i i i was reading on fantasy baseball too. it is now it is so much involved it is much more uh accurate not accurate but yeah you know what i mean it's like it's it's so much more insider information and it's not even necessarily things that are happening inside the dugout inside front office. it's more like well the numbers show this so that means that xyz is happening uh we just, we were learning that they're using this technology for pitchers so they can do better job of of throwing their changeups, and that's why this, this is the pitching factory in Houston, Cleveland, Miami now, and for a while, the Brewers, whatever. It, it, it is so much more involved than it has ever been uh, when I when I first got into this game. Back then, we were still doing, hey, guys, watch out. Paul Konerko had a hell of a year last year. That's great, but we're coming into an even year now, so you might want to avoid them. <laughs> we were still doing that in 2005, 2006, even odd years, stupidity.
1: You know, uh,
0: uh, hey guys, he's gonna turn 27, so you gotta put him up there. You gotta put, raise up uh, Michael Morse's stock or something.
1: Michael Morse, <laughs> just a,
0: name, a random name. He's turning uh, 27, guys. Watch out. He's, ter- he's gonna <laughs> enter his prime. Like, I never was a believer in that. I thought it was bullshit. Hey guys, don't draft this guy. He had a hell of a rookie season, but he's in for a sophomore slump. And we all know sophomore slumps are real. I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> stop it. Just stop. This is.
1: Then,
0: uh, <laughs> that's what we were working on just like hey that guy's girlfriend's too ugly so he can't be that good of a baseball player but he can get on it was base. the
1: fantasy version of that
0: it was a fantasy we were even though we we dealt in numbers games we were still doing those stupid narrative yeah that's what that's what it was narrative based uh analysis Aval- which, oh yeah evaluation evaluations yeah. thank you that was just so asininely stupid <laughs> into what it is in 2023 where you know serious is like so that's the thing is he has the pitch my well my indicator shows that he has 100 plus stuff but 100 uh, below uh control and command so he needs to improve that command but you know stuff stuff is king stuff is king and what he does is he goes on the driveline is that what they call it, the driveline technology yeah, yeah he goes on the driveline and he's able to practice on his curveballs and they can the cameras pinpoint exactly where the release point is and where the where the tunnel is and it is so like i said 20 years into this sean it is so involved it's just well it's almost to the point that you do have too much information but i always i'm a big proponent that it's better to have more information than less information i think yeah and i'm sorry i answer this is your question i interrupt you uh but it's just there's something about this that makes me um it just gives me a jolt right Yeah. For sure. And, and you've been involved in this. You, you actually got to work with them. Um, you tell me, I mean, is it, how it was working for the Montgomery Biscuits all those years. And and, and
1: I mean, did you see a difference? In... I definitely, you know, there was a couple of different types of scouts. Brandon, um, this was 2019 before a lot of the kind of let goes and firings of scouting staffs during COVID, before COVID, after COVID. Uh, that we saw around several teams. but even there were some, like I, I remember this older gentleman who was a scout for the Rays. Um and you could tell he was kind of one of the, I don't want to say the old boy types, but like the, um the old style. yeah, but with, he was one of the few that understood if I don't keep up with this stuff and mm-hmm. he, like he like he even said, like pointing to like my little computer station that I had. For the field effects tracking and whatnot and the trackman operators that had their cameras up set up in the press box uh, he was like I understand that if I don't keep up with this stuff he said I don't have a job mm-hmm. and he said and I love my job he said mm-hmm. so I'm willing to learn Yeah, and like he would come over and he'd ask me questions about like, what exactly like my system was doing and stuff like that and it is one of those just kind of the evolving nature of the game which is why I always get very upset when people are like, oh, they're making this a rule. They're making this a rule. They're changing this. The game has been evolving since they ever started playing it. This is just a continuation of that. Don't say, (laughs) oh, the game was so much better in 1970s. Well, the people in the 1970s were probably complaining that they lowered the mound. Like, (laughs) oh, how dare they? It's been this way for Forever, like every, every generation, every time period, you had people complaining about the changes that were being made. Like, don't give me that. Like, don't say they're changing the game and it's never been changed. The game has been changed. It's been changing. How how did it
0: start? How did this game start? I think it was the hitters used to tell the pitchers where they wanted the pitch to be thrown at them. (sighs) Let's go back to that. Let's yeah. <laughs> make Major League Baseball, make Major League Baseball softball again. Hey, apparently, on, uh,
1: hey, uh uh pitchers are going to be calling their own games now with PitchCom. Apparently, they're going to allow some pitchers if they want to use the PitchCom to call their own own pitches.
0: That should be something. Yeah. Yeah, I hope the catchers are ready for I, that. I
1: can't, I can't wait for the catchers to start doing this. <laughs> no, no, my, no. My entire life, I've seen pitchers be, be the ones to shake their heads, and now it's going to be catchers like, no! <laughs>
0: no, you don't want to throw a fastball to this. Just throw the curveball. Trust me. Like, no, <laughs> I have 99 miles per hour arm and ready to go. God damn it. Let's go. Uh, well, uh, interesting conversation, Sean. I mean, this is a very interesting con- This is exactly what I was hoping for it to be. Yeah. Uh, it ended up being a lot more linear on my end than I than I anticipated. I almost was going to do an audible and say, hey, let's just – talk about this stuff instead and just forget but you this has been a lot better than i anticipated so with that being said you, i believe you unless you want to keep talking about i
1: i have one very short question and then we can close up sure um, hopefully it's a short question and a somewhat uh short but you're, answer. But you're done it, with this this you, whole
0: meshing yes. of the, yeah. okay go ahead
1: so who in the 20 years has been the best player and I don't want to hear Barry Bonds I don't want to hear Barry Bonds (laughs) who has been the best fantasy like best MLB fantasy player like Trout Turner the the crazy steals guys Jimmy Rollins like what was like maybe not or maybe just I should have phrased it as like what was the best fantasy season that you could maybe remember that isn't Bonds, because even oh, even like boy. in the early 2000s, Bonds wasn't really stealing bases. Granted, you played in points leagues, so yeah, I mean, he, he, he was still so yeah. dominant. Um, oh, Sean, you're killing me here. All right, let, you know what? Because at first, I it was almost like this question spawned off of the biggest surprise one, and it was going to be like, Who is the biggest letdown for you? And the guy that came to my mind was Jonathan VR when he had the 20 home run and like 60 stolen base season and he was going in the top 10 in drafts, but it was just kind of like one of those, what was one of the best fantasy seasons that you kind of remember right. off the top of your head? All right. Let's
0: see if I have this. All right. Uh, okay. So it's not doing it the way I wanted to do it here. Oh man. Stupid CBS. I We pay all this money and <laughs> yeah, we pay all this money here. No, no free agents. No, all I want all players. Uh okay, so this is not doing this not doing what I wanted to do, but yeah. Uh, Albert Pujols, according to the stupid thing, got seven hundred twenty points, fantasy points in one season, oh, which geez. is a lot. Uh, forty three home runs. So, but again, that's Albert Pujols. How many uh, did
1: Judge have this year? Uh let me go back to that.
0: So, and that this was back in two thousand three, by the way. Yeah. Okay, Judge in our league had seven hundred thirteen
1: points. Yeah. feeling. Uh, I'm feeling, feeling it somewhere, in, like. 2022 Aaron Judge, 2018 Mookie Betts, early Pujols, maybe like the Jacoby Ellsbury peak where he had like a 30 40 season. Couple mm-hmm. of the A. Rod seasons, like I'm just out of those guys. Like, which one do you kind of sticks out the most to you? Or Not, even uh, <sighs> when he had the 30 home runs and like 50 stolen bases.
0: Yeah, Mike Trout has been dominating our league for a while just because of that versatility. Uh, and unfortunately, this thing isn't doing what I wanted to do. But Miguel Cabrera was also pretty damn good back in the day. Yeah. Uh, that was a name that shows up. And I think that's what's happening is that it it doesn't recognize the what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to see uh, go back all the way back to 2000. You know, three and you know, 20 years, right? Yeah, makes sense. And it's not doing that because a lot of these guys are no longer playing. They, 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 they don't recognize yeah. these guys.
1: <laughs> They're not alive anymore in their eyes. I'm going
0: to, I'm going to try one more thing and see if that'll work. Cause I, I thought that was, that's why we're, we're, we're spending all this money every year on this, these stupid things is to, uh,
1: Make sure we we have real, those records. Yeah, didn't realize how good Christian just how good Christian Yelich was in 2019. Oh yeah, I, yeah, that was my guy. That was my yeah, guy. Yeah, he had 30 stolen because I, I, I knew he had like the 40 home run seasons, like back to back or high 30s and then a 40. I did not realize when he hit 44 home runs, he stole 30 bases.
0: Uh, here's a name for you. Uh, this is an easy one, but Richard Hidalgo. Yeah, that translated for to fantasy as well. Richard Hidalgo, oh. when he hit the 46 home runs that one year in 2000, I forget.
1: So 2006, Albert Pujols was nearly identical to 2019 Yelich, except in like RBIs, Pujols had 40 more, but also Yelich had 23 more stolen bases than Pujols.
0: Roy Oswald ended up being a very good starting pitcher in our league as well. Yeah. He was really damn good. I, I I can't remember the years off the top yeah, of my head. I'm not,
1: I'm not even thinking on the, the pitching side, but yeah, definitely like what are some of the pitchers? I know you just mentioned Roy Oswald, um, obviously kind of the late Pedro Randy years. Um I'm not sure how good Johan Santana was because it wasn't much of a strikeout
0: guy. <sighs> yeah. I mean he was he, I mean, I remember the guy really who, the guy who owned them was winning but I'm pretty sure he had like all these other pitchers as well but let's stay with let's stay with the two thousand three teams and I, I'm gonna stop doing my looking it up at uh, through CBS because they're not doing what I want them to do so I'm gonna go into fangraph see if I can rekindle my memory but Roy Oswald Cliff Lee for a couple of years basically Roy Halliday was also damn yeah, You know that the, the okay. Roy Halliday was yeah Complete games are worth bonus points in our league, so yeah, you had him, and you in, had that.
1: And for those like early two thousands, like his eight to nine strikeouts per nine, like was good for that era. Really, uh, I'm seeing Mark Pryor. I don't yeah, know. I, I just saw his good. name. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the O three prior year, O four Ben Sheets.
0: Oh yeah, Ben Sheets was my guy, dude. That was that was that, uh, one he had of the that guys.
1: Hammer curve.
0: Oh, my, I love Ben Sheets. I was one of the guys I was, like, so happy to draft. He's going to be my starting pitcher. And that's the thing is that uh, building around your, like, a a starting pitcher like that, Mm -hmm. uh, very rare to do, even during this time of of era in baseball. uh, If you don't have Pedro Martinez, Roy Halladay, or or, uh, Randy Johnson, you're out of luck. You're screwed.
1: Okay, so don't listen to me because apparently from 2003 to 2005, which I think is when Santana had two of those Cy Youngs in 04 and 05, I believe. Or then he, I think he had three in a row. It was 04, 05, 06, something like that. Mm-hmm. But okay, let's just do those four years. He had a nine point, it's giving me a blank, but his 2004 year, he had a 10.5K per nine in 2004. Like that's, I, I thought he struck out less, but yeah, over a four year period, 9.7K per nine. I'm sure that K percentage was really damn good, too, because he didn't really walk many guys. So, yeah, don't listen to me about saying Johan didn't strike people out.
0: (laughs) Uh, Here's one for you. Um, Closers are a big deal. This is back in the day where the ninth inning guy was a ninth inning guy. And my guy in 2003 was B.J. Ryan. I love me some B.J. Ryan.
1: Uh, That's a name I've forgotten.
0: Although I see that in 2003, he wasn't saving, but he was on my radar like, oh, man, if this guy ever gets a closing job in Baltimore, I want him on my team as my main closer. And that lasted for about two years when the arm injury started ensuing. But this is back when you can depend on these guys to get you all the saves. And hey, one Rob. guy, well, not just him, but watch it in 2003. Remember this guy named Eric Gagne? Gagne, yep. 55 John, saves. John Smoltz with a paltry 45. <laughs> And non Hall of Fame pitcher Billy Wagner with 44 in 2003. I find so,
1: it insane that his uh, K Rod's best year in terms of war mm-hmm. um, seems to have been when he only had 12 saves, but he had a 3.7 or. Uh, here's another
0: name for you for the Dodgers Jonathan Broxton.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, he uh, led everybody, all relief pitchers in war with 2.6 in 2009. Uh, uh, but let me see who was a saves leader. So saves are worth ten points each. Brian Fuentes had forty-eight saves <laughs> with the Angels. I remember. I think I might have had him. Brian Fuentes, Houston Street. I I have very good memories of those guys because I used to depend on those guys JJ saves. Putz. Uh, JJ is it puts or poots? I used to call him puts, but I think it's poots. Poots. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he poots. <laughs> Shows how mature we are. <laughs> going, clicking over to the starting pitchers. Uh, I never was a big fan of Zach Greinke, I think, but you know, he pitched a lot of innings, got wow. a lot of wins in 2009. So he was valuable. Uh, I'm a I was a big Felix Hernandez guy, even though, and I had him on my team, but again, I read some of these articles that say beware of Felix Hernandez. He's not always, <laughs> if, if, if you got him, you might want to trade him or get rid of him. So I got rid of him because of this stupid article. Looking back, I should have just... <laughs> You know, stuck to my guns because I really, really, really liked him when he was coming up the minors. You should the send
1: that author a uh, very strongly worded email, probably Scott White, and that's somebody I, <laughs> I, I I
0: respect. But others and other guys listed Roy Halliday, which we already told you how good yeah. he was, Cliff Lee. Uh, once he got uh, uh situated with Cleveland, it just became like automatic with him. Yeah. Um, and that's and, and we see that pitching. I mean, and on Wainwright. <laughs> <laughs> remember uh he started his career as a closer yep. in 2009 he's already like among the top 15 best starting pitchers along with chris carpenter uh joel pinheiro of course because the cardinals they take these rejects and turn them into serviceable starting pitchers uh josh beckett was also damn good as well cc
1: sabathia uh, just being an innings monster
0: yeah yeah back when uh that was the expectation do you pitch your yep. six or seven innings uh, and then as, as you know sean as years will go on Yep. Those expectations got lower. I mean, again, we're complaining about guys who can't even go past five <laughs> innings. Uh, I had Chase Utley on my team for a long time. Uh, so that's why I have a soft spot for him. Him and Scott Rowland for a long time. I had him 2009. He was the number four best uh, player in war. But was that I guess the stat I should be looking at is Wolva, right? Because all we care is about production. Uh, by the way, Pujols with a 447 Wolva. Joe Mauer 438. Wow. Uh, Prince Fielder hit 46 home runs in 2009, so that was pretty valuable because he wasn't striking out a lot either.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, Kevin Euclid's the guy I used to have all the time because of the walks. I'm a big walk. Guy. I'm a big yeah, the Greek out of walks. That's right. Uh, Hanley Ramirez was always automatic, 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases at the very least. Adrian Gonzalez, big run producer that he was,
1: but my guy, Sean Ryan Braun, that uh, was my guy. <laughs> in- oh, a- you, you would root for the Astros. And Brian Braun was your guy. Oh, I'm, gonna on, I'm gonna Braun, keep I'm gonna keep an eye on you next year, Felipe in the league, because I think there might be some funny business going on based on your likes. Listen, man, all, the only crime is getting caught,
0: all right? And technically Brian Braun never got caught. That Bjorn Sample was tainted.
1: Oh, tainted. Yeah. And you know what? Happy tainted. ending.
0: He ended up meeting up the guy who
1: uh whose supposedly... career he ruined. No, he still works there. What are you talking about? Oh, 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 okay. Didn't ruin his career. Ruined his reputation. No, he's still director of that.
0: Uh, I checked it up. He's still the director of that hospital up in Milwaukee. A big you,
1: you can still have the the position. No, no, a director
0: of a major hospital system, bro. Come on, like he's a head honcho, man. We, we he, might
1: be thinking. We might be thinking of different people. Because I know I, there was like the low-level guy that handled the actual urine. No, I Where the up. hell is this conversation going? I, looked, I, I, I looked, literally just used the phrase, handle the urine. No, I, I, look, I think it. I think that means we've hit the limit. No, hold
0: on, brother. I looked up the story. I looked up the name. I work in healthcare industry. It doesn't mean that I know everybody that has ever worked in healthcare industry, but I know how these things, I have an idea how these stupid things work, right? So this guy, not only did Ryan Braun have dinner with him after the fact he had dinner he apologized uh that things went that way and ryan Braun says you know and you know he didn't say anything about it but it was a good conversation it was a good, nice meal it was a great dinner and it's water under the bridge and i looked up the guy on linkedin he's still working in that same hospital system he, he for like think. 20
1: years now so where is this trying to find the guy because i'm trying to remember who it was he's still around man he he he's still
0: the director of of medical operations at, at the major milwaukee hospital system he's fine no he's no fine. nothing nothing was ruined uh also uh while you're looking up uh rockies were still a thing back then brad hop Damn. uh brad hop uh matt holiday Tro- gary tolewitzki well 2006 2007 2008 around that time i ended up having both ryan braun and troy Tulowitzki on the same team and i think i even had ryan zimmerman and amounted to jack shit for my team, so th- 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 that's how frustrating. But Ryan Braun was awesome. He basically carried me to a playoff berth b- b- on his back. So I'll always have a soft spot for Ryan Braun. I don't care what he did. Listen, Put the he apologized. Team on my back. He apologized. Okay. <laughs> Michael Young was also always a pretty damn good second baseman as well. I trusted him for a long time. And once and, and and once Michael Young left, Ian Kinsler. Kinsler. I brother.
1: was just about to say him too when you brought up second base. That was uh, underrated.
0: At uh, three years, uh, Joey Votto also was pretty freaking good, man. I, okay. I Again, him also, I think I had him on the same team with Ryan Braun, helped me get into a playoff berth as well. Uh, on offense, I had shit pitching that year, and I ended up going to the playoffs. Only four teams make the playoffs in, in this league, so Joey Votto was a instrumental. And uh, let's see, let's go to 2013, 10 years ago, and we'll we'll call it a night. Yeah, Mike Trout's the truth that, that he just established himself. But that was the year Miguel Cabrera got the triple crown and stole an MVP from Mike Trout. But it just depends how you look at it, right? Yeah. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon oh, uh, was always – I, I, I was at a point in my life where I thought McCutcheon was better than Mike Trout before this happened, before yeah. he started – Before uh, Trout up, became
1: Trout. <laughs>
0: before he busted out the uh, – ten. And I I wrote I, – I'm on the record writing it down saying – Listen, Mike Trout's awesome, but I'd rather have to play this with a Andrew Matt Cutchen, on my team. He gets the stolen Uh-oh. bases, he has the home runs, and he doesn't strike out as much. Well, little that I know, Mike Trout would eventually figure out this major league baseball game and become one of the greatest players of all time. McCutcheon, pretty damn good player for his era, yep. too, but nowhere near what Mike Trout ended up being. Um Josh Donaldson was also coming into the uh into the four as well as uh, what do you call those guys? Uh, as a, as a third baseman for the Oakland Athletics. Out of nowhere, there's a, there's a surprise there, Sean. Out of nowhere, Josh Donaldson became uh, a known commodity in fantasy circles. Mm-hmm. So uh, Chris Davis, 53 home runs that year in ah, 2013. Yes,
1: so when the A's were good.
0: So they were testing for uh, uh, PhDs, uh, PEDs, not PhDs, for PEDs.
1: <laughs> not going to find many PhDs in a baseball clubhouse. <laughs>
0: we're, we're looking for doctors. No, not that kind of doctor.
1: Are you a doctor?
0: Okay. Who am I? Is it really uh, I am therefore? I think therefore I am. What is the point of life? Why am I here? What is the purpose of this our This man living? is
1: choking. <laughs>
0: is baseball a metaphor for life? Oh, am God. I the bat or am I the ball? You tell me. <laughs> Uh, but at that time uh they weren't really testing too hard for ADHD medications I believe and a lot of uh connections are being made that Chris Davis was able to hit those home runs number one he was desperate for a contract remember that was Buck showalter butting in like anybody who wants to pay this guy that time of money should not consider that uh
1: <laughs> I don't
0: remember I, that <laughs> no nah, he uh, uh Buck Schulter you yeah, go find that Buck showalter got involved in those contract and publicly got Involve himself in this contract negotiation which got him a lot of flack like hey mind your own business old man get the, f- get the fudge out of here but turns out he was right he knew something that we didn't know with the orioles as a manager uh the davis then they started the i think you remember this right sean uh major league baseball started bringing down the hammer on yeah. ADHD medications yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: and they and chris davis kept taking them he got suspended right His yeah memory am researching right okay. so there you go uh buster posey's always been a really oh, good kidding oh, catcher as well
1: wrong chris davis That's why I was so confused. Oh my God. You're thinking about Mexican Chris Davis? I was thinking about Oakland A's Chris Davis. (laughs) Mm. I mean, didn't he have like almost a 50 home run season? Like 47 or something? Close enough. I mean, I don't don't know. I I was confused. I was like, why is Buck Showalter talking about Crush Davis? Like,
0: yeah. And both Chris Davis's, one with the K, one with the C, they ended up having pretty similar batting averages, right?
1: Yep. And then, of course, Crush Davis had the 241. 247 batting average four years in a row. I'll leave you
0: with his last name right here. Uh Paul Goldschmidt. Ah, geez. And, and it's not just because he's such a great hitter, but it's just the fact that in this is around in 2013, this is around the time where he was establishing himself as a yeah. pretty damn good base dealer as well.
1: Yeah. He was a first baseman that was giving you all of the offensive production. If anything, maybe just a little light on the home runs because it was like maybe in the high 20s. But he more than made up for it in stolen bases for fans. Well,
0: every once in a while, Sean, in 2013, he had 36 home runs along oh, he... with 15 stolen bases. Okay. Because
1: 33... I know there was one year where it was like the home runs were down, but he hit like almost like 50, 60 doubles. That was insane. Well, 2015, 33 home runs, 21 stolen bases. 2016,
0: 24 home runs, but 32 stolen bases. And then 2017, 36 home runs. He had a, and 30... 18...
1: he had a 32 stolen base year.
0: 2016, look it up. Oh, my God. 36 home runs in 2017, 18 stolen bases. So I guess that is a good way to stop. If you're looking for guys that shocked the fantasy world out of nowhere, that would be a great name to look up. Paul Goldschmidt in the early 2010s. Yep.
1: God, I I didn't realize he debuted in 2011.
0: Time flies, brother. I thought he was closer to
1: 2014, but wow, he was, yep. And now he's 35 years old. Jeez, and it's still still hitting. still hitting. <laughs> I, don't,
0: I don't have a stolen base or there? I forgot how many stolen bases he got uh, last year.
1: He stole 12 in 2021 and seven last year. But he, uh, he's actually a, currently over the last three years. He has 20 stolen bases and has not been caught once. <laughs> he's become the savvy base runner. Very savvy. The AJ prasinski's a base running, right? So he is. A, a th- I know this is so random. He has a 31.8 BSR for his career right now. I would go out on a limb and say that has to be the best of any first baseman in modern baseball.
0: How far back you want
1: to go? Uh, 69, 50, like World War Because I, I feel like if you go too far back, there's some of those like tiny little dudes that played first yeah. base and still like 50. but
0: Well, 1947 is known as the integration yeah. era because yeah. of Jackie Robinson. So let's do that from – and you only want to look at first baseman. So Fangraphs, they uh, – what I found out is that people do not like the way Fangraphs uh, classifies some of these hitters. Yes. <laughs> but we're going to use them anyway. Because screw those guys, right? Screw these people who don't like Fangraphs. Fangraphs is truth. So we're looking up first baseman, right? BSR. And then we're looking up for BSR. Sorry, my no. computer's slow. So if you got it pulled up, just yeah, shout it I'm, out.
1: I'm working on it.
0: Wow. Maybe it knows that you and I are trying to get in on this. There we go. So first baseman. Uh, Albert Poole was at yep. negative 50. Oh,
1: yeah, like he, he's not even like he's heads and shoulders above everybody else. All right, you got it. You want me to Gold, do Goldschmidt, Erstad, Myers, Bellinger, and Earl torgeson
0: I have no idea who that is, but and hey, neither do I. hey, some of these guys don't know who you're talking about. Darren Erstad, Will Myers, Cody Bellinger, Earl torgeson Greg Jeffries, who was an all star at one point of his life. Yep. 12.1 BSR, which is the base running metric they use for calculating fan graphs uh, wins above replacement. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I was just going to say, and, you know, Goldschmidt, we said, is at 31.8. The number two guy is Erstad at 22.4. So likely going to be 10 BSR ahead, which would put, you know, the same distance like, oh, my God, he's just so far ahead. And first, and very- place. Erstad yeah. played center field too. Yeah, I was like, Erstad played, yeah, some outfield. And the same thing with Will Myers, same thing with exactly. Cody Bellinger. Bingo. And um, even Greg Jeffries, I believe. Yeah, Jeffries was kind of util. But a lot but of these guys is, played around.
0: But here's a name, Sean, at number 10. The guy with the gimpy Bill, legs. Bill Buckner. Bill Buckner, number 10. The, the hundred and
1: 183 career stolen bases. And I think he also was an outfielder too for a while. Yeah. Yep. Those knees were the knees were definitely shot by 86, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so when was it he at his peak? Uh, Bill Buckner had a 2.1 BSR in 1976 with the Dodgers stole 28 stolen bases in 1976. Wait 10 years to see what happens to you, my friend.
1: Yeah, Wait 10 years. 31 stolen bases in 1974. Well, check this look, out. Look, look at the walk and strikeout rate for Bill Buckner.
0: Oh, yeah. he was. Uh, That's, absurd. That's absurd. That's absurd. Pound uh, talent for talent, pound for pound, one of the better hitters of his era. Didn't walk,
1: uh, didn't strike out. He just uh, hit the ball. <laughs> he just made
0: contact. He made contact and was productive for his time. He one of those guys. Uh, nineteen eighty two got fifteen home runs, but drove in one hundred and five RBI with the Red Sox. He still in nineteen eighty five. He stole eighteen stolen bases. By the way.
1: At 35 years old. Oh, you see, that was that was the last. Uh, that's that's what caused it. His knees were done. Yeah. He, he ran too much the year before.
0: <laughs> and it's all downhill after 1986, brother. All downhill. And then he uh, escapes and goes into hiding in, in, in Idaho.
1: In Idaho.
0: I think that's where he's from, Montana or Idaho. One of those secluded countries. Uh, <laughs> countries? They might as well States. be countries. <laughs> might as well. All right. Well, Sean, very spirited conversation today. Uh, well, any Sean. last words from you before I let you go?
1: Uh, no. Uh, ready for the World Baseball Classic starting up. Uh, spring training starts in a week. So. Oh, my God. I'm um, not ready. And then the World Baseball Classic starts a week after that. And, oh, my uh, God. I'm not ready. Then by the time the World Baseball Classic ends, it's hey, hey, Hey,
0: if you want to meet us in Arizona, uh, I believe someone is selling their tickets right now. Because oh. they were able to upgrade seats. Are you able to join? I can hook you up.
1: Probably not. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it,
0: Sean. All right. Well, maybe next time. Yep. All right. Well, good conversation, Sean. Thank you so much. For everybody who listened in, tuned in. I am Felipe. That is Sean. We'll see you next time.